Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, frantically removing his glasses is Brandon Newman. Brandon, how are we feeling today? Feeling great, Mike. So happy that everyone's here. I see you. I love what you're wearing. Oh, my gosh. What is that you're eating? <laughs> Send the recipe. <laughs> but glad everyone's here with us today. Yeah, we appreciate everyone being with us here today. Um, very excited for this one, personally. It is Tuesday around here, and Tuesday during the NFL season, even if it's the third week of the preseason, means we have top five, bottom five from the NFL weekend. That was. We will get you plenty on that because Lord knows the NFL was giving. As we've got the final rosters getting ready, we won't have week one until next week, and so we're still getting the reps up here. We also are very, very excited to visit with our friend, staff writer over at The Ringer, Nora Princiati. You, if you are like me, may know her as the host of every single album, Taylor Swift, on The Ringer and Spotify as well, chronicling every album from our Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift. Because Stop. Brandon, I, 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 I truthfully did not know Sunday night that the VMAs were still a thing people were actively engaged with. MTV's role in the universe has changed so much in our lifetime that genuinely shocked me that we had an award show where Taylor Swift showed up and you and I were recording a podcast and we saw everyone was ooing and aahing over Taylor's outfit, the fact that she was there, and then she walks up there to accept an award for directing the 10-minute video for her re-release of All Too Well. And... In that time, she announced that she was going to be releasing a new album, and we all flipped a freaking shit. But, Brandon, it was also, to me, wild to see the VMAs very relevant again in a way I don't feel like it is just because of the age I'm at now. No, you're right. It's not relevant. I want to say say it's not relevant. It's not relevant in comparison to how relevant it was. Right, like this yes, is back I in the day the where, thing. right, where where uh, the Backstreet Boys did, or not Backstreet Boys, uh, NSYNC did pop, and then brought out Michael Jackson. 
like the real one, not the hologram one. Like it was like <laughs> a thing that you actually went and saw. And then obviously uh, the MTV Movie Awards was can't miss because it was crazy stuff to happen. I think that was when Britney Spears yeah. and Madonna kissed. Like there were so many crazy things. So for me, not knowing Taylor Swift the way I do, for her to do this at the VMAs, Mike, uh, where Jack Harlow, Louisville great, um, won four awards. All I could think of was like, damn, she is one of two things. She is either extremely loyal and generous to give VMA this shine, like back in her original stage, and Nora will get into that. Or MTV and Viacom got live golf money and is out here being way more strategic than we think they are. And like, cause Lizzo came, like Harry, St like there's, we'll talk about all the people that was there, Mike, but it's, it's very interesting and weird that they stay so relevant in a time where like they, MTV is not relevant. Like that's not where you go to watch music videos. I found out about what happened at the VMAs from my parents who were for some reason watching this. And I shit you not, Brandon, the number one question they had is not what's going to be on Taylor Swift's new album, which we'll get to with Nora. It wasn't even what's going to happen now that Jimmy Garoppolo is apparently coming back and being a part of the 49ers, which we'll also get to with Nora Princiati, who wrote a great article about Trey Lance and was at 49ers training camp earlier this off earlier this uh, fall camp. Yes. But my dad's number one question about the VMAs, and this is actually, I think, going to be a point of similarity because I had my old man moment during the VMAs this year in the aftermath in the same way my dad did because he asked me he goes have you ever heard of this musician named marshmallow he goes he came out just playing a bass wearing a marshmallow on his head and my dad was flabbergasted by the notion that djs are out here just wearing weird ornate helmets while they go and do their sets uh, okay i love this because i remember we everyone has that moment but marshmallow for me was was it well like 2016 basically uh it was dead mouse was you know walking around with his big yes. mouse helmet then marshmallow was taking over things and at john goodman's bachelor party in vegas where we partied with zach martin tyron smith like uh tyler eifert a bunch of those guys were there marshmallow was just on the set like on the ones and twos and i was like who's this i don't know who this person is but he's he's creating the white noise for this vegas environment I guess that's what I always figured. You can go all the way back to Daft Punk essentially dressing up like spacemen right. where you're, you're a DJ. You've got to find some way, unless you're going to be Steve Aoki jumping up and down all over the stage, to make yourself stand out amongst a sea of other people playing electronic beats over a microphone. So maybe that was just it. But my dad was flabbergasted at this notion. And Brandon, I was sitting there having a good laugh with him and my mom at dinner about that. Until I came home and read a similar headline that blew my mind. It made me realize, oh, I've been left behind. Because I saw a tweet from Rap TV that said, Young Gravy took Addison Ray's mom to the VMAs as date. And Brandon, I did not know a single nope. name referenced in that tweet. In that, in that Mad Lib? <laughs> Yes, like it that was it read like a fucking Mad Lib for a red carpet special. And after some research, apparently Addison Rae is a prominent TikTok and social media personality. Apparently Young Gravy is a 26-year-old former SoundCloud rapper who essentially looks like dig, a disco John Ralphio Saperstein from Parks and Rec. That's about all I've got. He kissed some lady's mom who he took as the date to his VMAs. I, I mean, I don't he, know, man. I'm just, I'm lost like on this a, one, and I'm okay with it. 
Yeah, he looks like an extra from Boogie Nights, just to let everybody really, really know yeah. what the dude looks like. Like, this is, it, you hear Young Gravy, and you're not expecting this uh, gentleman who looks like he's from uh, uh, Pasadena? Yeah, yeah, there's good Pasadena vibes there. Okay, okay. I was make sure I wasn't out of bounds with that. But continue, I apologize. No, I, I, I'm just... It was one of those moments where I looked up and I went, this is the feeling of the ground changing underneath me. I've already talked about how while I'm, you know, moonlighting on TikTok a little bit, I don't fully understand the app, not nearly as well as the generation that's using it every day. And I definitely don't know who the shit any of these people are. I I guess I'm happy for them. Like, I don't know. I always feel like we're one step away from another milkshake duck thing. So I'm hesitant to get too attached to a 26-year-old white rapper who I know nothing about or the mom that he took to this award show as a date. So all I could do is sit here and marvel at the fact that this even happened. Yeah, no, it is kind of ridiculous, Mike. But I do want to mention this. Uh, This is a big news for us and me personally. Uh, My 26-year-old little sister uh, is moving here to Louisville for a short time just for the month of September and I'm paying her to be my TikTok consultant so I'm going to get some stuff going like we're going to have like uh, office hours and all the things Uh, she's going to film so all those people that have been tagging us in some offensive lineman style uh, lineman style TikTok we appreciate it we want to know what's out there because we are we will be we will be moving. Mike is getting to the foyers of it. I, I'm very much into the dancing of the TikTok. Surprise, surprise. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll dive. We'll dive. That does make sense because in our first ever collaboration as peers in class, we did a presentation that earned us an A by me doing the vocals for Africa by Toto and you doing an interpretive dance for it in class. So definitely still pairing off that way. Brandon, Mm -hmm. I will say, yes, all those things are true. As always, download, subscribe, rate, and review this show wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. We are going to try and also serve you the listener on other social media platforms try and have some spots where we can go and interact with people on instagram live and stuff like that as we get going during the football season some game watch stuff that's hopefully going to come up and you can also always check out our youtube page go to the DraftKings youtube channel check out the gojo with mike golick jr playlist on there and see all our videos up there but brandon i want to leave us with this before we go and talk to Nora princiati from the ringer about Taylor Swift and what to expect. Again, Nora is one of the foremost experts. Her and Nathan Hubbard do a phenomenal job and have become the go-to source for news about Taylor Swift. Nora's also given a great breakdown on what went on with Jimmy Garoppolo, why he is back in San Francisco, still backing up uh, Trey Lance, albeit for a much more digestible number. I want to leave you with this because when I pissed off most of the known world and the country of Australia with dipping an Oreo and mayonnaise during the Duke's Mayo Bowl, one of the people that was most appalled by me was R&B legend Dion Warwick, who is also a Twitter treasure. And if you're not following yes. Miss Dion, go and remedy that situation. But me and Miss Dion got to play for the same team on this one because I looked in the timeline. And sure enough, all I saw from her was young gravy like the food. <laughs> with a follow-up tweet i just learned that it is y-u-n-g and not y-o-u-n-g i am still confused about the gravy okay miss mm. mm. dion i am right there with you i feel you on this one and even though you wanted me suspended with pay which i appreciate i feel like we can Very come generous. together over confusion about this gravy person so we'll try and get to the bottom of that we're going to take a quick break here and when we come back we're going to fangirl with Nora over taylor swift's new album release date Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. 
That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. All right, very excited about this because now we just get to fully stop and deviate over into a place that I've wanted to go with this podcast for a long time in light of some big news that happened in the world at large yesterday. I think that's fair to say it was that seismic of an event. We had to bring in maybe the foremost expert on Taylor Swift to this podcast here. Nora Princiati, you guys know her, staff writer over at The Ringer. You can hear her on The Ringer NFL Show podcast, as well as maybe my favorite podcast in rotation, every single album, Taylor Swift, as well as every single album, One Direction, which was lovely and got me prepped for the Harry Styles album, Harry's House, that released this year. But Nora, how are you first and foremost? It's good to talk to you. Hello, Mike. I'm I'm fantastic. I'm just absolutely fantastic. I, I woke up this morning... Actually, I'll just take this opportunity to throw my boyfriend under the bus. I woke up at like 7.30 this morning and, or he woke me up and goes, do you want to get up or do you want to sleep for another like 15 minutes or whatever? You know, the alarm's not going to go off for a little bit. And I'm like, oh, I'll go back to sleep. And 20 minutes later or whatever, I get up and he's like, oh, by the way, you might want to check your phone. So I was sent back to bed this morning with this whole world of news just available to me. And I didn't, it, it, it prolonged the amount of time I had to spend in a world where I didn't know that there was going to be a new Taylor Swift album. Oh. Um yeah, like this is because this was amazing. So the VMAs are Sunday night. Taylor Swift is there accepting an award after directing the 10 minute long video for All Too Well, and everything is great. And we're all marveling at the outfits, Taylor just being out at the VMAs in general. And then as we approach midnight, Taylor drops the news at the VMAs in her acceptance speech that she is releasing her 10th studio album, Midnight's, that will release uh, uh, on uh, October 21st. And as this is going down, again, Nora and Nathan, her co-host on every single album, are the first two people I thought of and went to the internet for to try and look at. 
And all I see is everyone freaking out because Nathan has alerted the internet that Nora is asleep while all this is happening. So a person that may appreciate this news more than anyone else is now being held hostage by the thing that her body needs to survive each and every day. And so you woke up and you were finally released mm-hmm. from this prison of living in a world without knowing this knowledge. What was your first reaction when you did find out? I just yelled a lot. I mean, first of all, I was like, I looked at my phone. Nathan called me like four times. I mean. Just being like, like at, totally shamelessly, and I would want nothing else from him, totally shamelessly being like, I don't care if I wake her up. And he lives in California, and I live in New York. So, like, there's a three-hour time difference. It is the middle of the night, and he's just like, she would want to know. Get her up. But I didn't wake up um, because I am a rock. Uh but once I heard the news, I was very excited, um, interested to learn that we're getting just like a whole new album, not a re-recorded Taylor's version of an old album. This is going to be right. 13 tracks of original content. Like, are there going to be singles? How long have we been, you know, how many Easter eggs have we seen, but we didn't know they were Easter eggs? Like, it's time to piece it all together. And I just, there's nothing more energizing to me than a, than a, a Taylor Swift release. Well, and, and you're right, because it is about so much more. We talked about the story on here where at Texas Austin, they're teaching a Taylor Swift class and they're weaponizing the loyalty of Taylor Swift fans by teaching kids literature. And it is always about that hunt there. And Nathan Hubbard, your co-host, actually took to Twitter last night or this morning and already threw these out there. And Nora, I have no idea if these are things we need to look forward for, if these are happy accidents. I don't think there are any accidents with Taylor Swift, but as Nathan points out, she was born on the 13th. She announced this at the VMAs 13 years after the Kanye West incident at the VMAs, accepting a reward for the 10-minute version of a song announcing the 10th studio album coming out in the 10th month of the year that will naturally have 13 tracks. Like, that means something, right? What is it all mean? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) It's also like it's coming out on on Kim Kardashian's birthday, but it also is like National Reptile Day or something. Like the problem is she's oh just created God. in this world where me? so many things do have meaning that it starts to feel like everything has meaning. My favorite theory that I saw today, which I actually this one, some of that stuff like I, there has to be some measure of coincidence. This I actually think is real because she's talked about how she plans her life and her career in, in three-year cycles. Three years ago, Lover was coming out. Mm. Lover originally was going to be called Daylight, um, which is the title of the last song. And it was going to be the album title, but then they switched the album title to Lover. And um, at the end of the outro to the song Daylight, which is this like spoken word thing where she's like, I want to be defined by the things that I love, you are what you love. I don't want to be defined by the things that I'm afraid of or the things that haunt me in the middle of the night. And then three years later, we're getting this album that she's described as like 13 different stories of things that kept her up in the middle of the night from various times over the course of her life. And I'm actually like, I'm, we've been talking a lot about like, how I have processed this news and what it means for us. But I'm actually kind of like, Taylor, are you okay, bro? Like, 
What's going on up there? <laughs> it's so true. Honestly, I feel like Taylor's finally stepping into my like my level of brokenness. I'm like, yeah, come on, come on. Like, did your parents get in a divorce recently? Like, what's going on? Like, talk, come talk to us. The the whole note about saying, uh, I'm sorry. Let me. I'm I'm going to her post. Can I read this really quickly? Just yeah, to, absolutely. Just to because this is this is gripping. not my podcast, but I'm just like, do it, do it, do it. I need it. <laughs> okay, I'm 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 going to the second paragraph. Uh, this is a collection of music written in the middle of the night, a journey through terrors and sweet dreams, the floor we pace and the demons we face for all of us who have tossed and turned and decided to keep the lanterns lit and go searching, hoping to just maybe when the clock strikes 12, we meet ourselves. <sighs> Guys, that that shit. I'm not a Swifty. That shit got me ready to start here and work backwards. Yeah. I, yeah. Tell you a podcast that can help yeah. you out with that, by the way. Oh yes, I'm, it's it, it it did induce legitimate chills for me in reading that. And Nora, you mentioned the Easter egg there. We had obviously been going through a time period where Lover came out. We had the pandemic. We had folklore and Evermore. There's been the re-releases since then of her old albums. Did we have any other like hints or inkling that anything new might be coming down the pipeline, or was this a total surprise? Well, I, I think um, we know she doesn't sleep, right? Yes. Uh, so she was clearly working on something, and I think there were, you know, there were little snippets of reporting. I am, in this case, using that loosely because sometimes stuff would show up on like Demois or something, which is obviously not really like fact checked or verified. But there, there were little inklings that, like, oh, she's using the studio, she's working on stuff. It's never really clear if that's re-recordings or not. She's obviously done quite a few of the 1989 Taylor's version songs for various movie soundtracks. So it's so we know that she's working, and we also know that it's been a while since she put something out. Now, I think this is something that Nathan and I talk about all the time, is that like she kind of changed course a little bit from the folklore evermore fearless taylor's version like bam 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 flood the zone with new stuff way of working where i think the lead up to red was so much more drawn out and i think ultimately was um more successful at getting people to pay attention to that re-recording as opposed to the earlier the original recording that it is our feeling that that going forward she's gonna be a little bit more patient with like giving each release cycle a chance to breathe and letting it be a little bit more drawn out so it was like she had to be building to something and it had been so long that it was like come on come on i miss her where is well, she if so, you can be predictive what what version of taylor is it it's not it's not the christmas tree song taylor like where where, where is she at at midnight <laughs> So I wonder, this is this is a really good question, because in my heart of hearts, I tend to not, like, although I love all Taylors, sort of spooky, spooky, sad Midnight Girl Taylor is not, like, my favorite. So, that said, I never underestimate her. So the way that I will phrase this is I'm curious to see how she turns Midnight Taylor into bops. Yes, because I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure that like there will be bops. There are always bops. Like Evermore is like chock full of bops somehow. 
I can never see it until she does it, but I know she will do it. And I think that's the that's the challenge for this one. I don't want to be blasphemous, yeah. but is she getting her Billie Eilish bag a little bit? Like we're talking about bops, like dark Ooh. bops. Yeah, probably. I mean, she's like, she's kind of a, she can be a little bit of like sad pop queen. And again, I think musically, she always finds like how to make it super poppy and super fun. Even if like certain elements of it are not fun. But uh, that path is always very like clouded to me until she just, you know, parts the clouds and, and shows us the way. When she reaches her hand God, down from Taylor her Swift divine guy. seat and just hands us yet another <laughs> gift. Nora, one of the first things I thought about too, because, and I had seen you guys tweet about it, I thought that this might be the announcement we were getting. Are we now on the verge of a tour that's going to have four original albums and the re-releases since the last time that we saw her since the cancellation of Loverfest during the pandemic? Like, are we dealing with the mega tour to end all tours? I, the, all of my friends and I are texting about this right now. I, it, it, there are rumors she has stadiums for next summer. I'm going to, like, how, how do you sell a kidney? How, how does that work? Does somebody know? Uh, Hook us up with the dark web. I need to know how I can give organs like, for this. Yeah, Something richer than plasma. I got I got standards for most things, but, like, everything goes out the window when, when you know, oh. we start needing to get on verified fan platforms for Tay-Tay. Oh, man, it is, it's going to be some exciting times. It was a jolt of lightning at the beginning of our week. And Nora, I was jokingly going to ask you on this podcast, what was more surprising, Taylor Swift announcing her 10th album in the middle of a speech at the VMAs or Jimmy Garoppolo re-signing for less to stay as the <laughs> backup quarterback in San Francisco? And I realized that was so disrespectful to all parties involved. I don't know. <laughs> They're both pretty weird. I I actually think it's Jimmy. Just because, like, I, I texted Nathan, and neither of us knew anything, right? Like, we were totally in the dark. But I texted Nathan yesterday morning or afternoon. I mean, I guess it was because we I was like, oh, the VMAs are tonight. Taylor's nominated. I, I texted him something like, I miss Taylor. When is Taylor coming back? Um so it was sort of on the mind. Like, we thought, we, were, we thought Jimmy was out of there. Jimmy, like, gave his goodbye press conference. He, like, cried and stuff. <laughs> How was, did this happen? It's weird. Uh, it, it's so bizarre. And, uh, Nora, you wrote a, wrote a great article for The Ringer on Trey Lance and his development in that 49ers offense. You got to go around and poke around at training camp there. I mean, you're right. We had him out of the building here. So... From what you saw with Trey Lance taking over the reins of this, and we hear all the reports and the Ian Rappaports and Adam Schefters of the world saying that somehow this deal makes it clear that Jimmy Garoppolo is the backup because his salary is now in a much lower place. What does this in your mind do to the development of Trey Lance now that we know Jimmy's going to be in this locker room all season? Well, uh, so I'm not going to cop out here. I, the it raises sort of the degree of difficulty that his circumstances are providing, right? Like, Trey Lance might be mentally tough enough that it does nothing, where he gets into game situations and it's hard and there are growing pains and the fact that Jimmy is waiting in the wings there 
really truly doesn't bother him. I would not say that that's outside the realm of possibility. People there seem to really not be worried about him having to go through a season that might be shaky at times. And they know him better than I do. So I've got to assume that that comes from understanding who he is. That said, it's a pretty volatile or sort of variable situation with that offense there, right? Because they're, they are going and they are totally eyes wide open about what this means. They're going from a quarterback who really limited their explosive playability, but was pretty accurate and consistent on short throws. So you kind of know what you're going to get. You just don't think that what you're going to get is totally good enough. And that's not to say that Jimmy couldn't be prone to, you know, big F ups. We all know what that looks like, but if it wasn't a three interception game, you kind of know that you're just sort of like dinking and dunking and it's in some ways an efficient offense, but you're really limited in that, that big playability. They think that it's better to go from, you know, 70% completion on short throws and not a lot in the running game to Trey, who might complete 60% of his passes, but a lot more of them are going to be deep balls, and he's going to add a lot for you on the ground. But if that's wonky, you could have some really good games where you're hitting explosives and some really crappy games where this guy who has very little starting experience just isn't quite putting it all together again. And the question is, you have this team where, I mean – when I was there, one of the things that struck me more than anything else is that they think their defense could be the best defense in the NFL. Mm. Like part of what would happen when he would struggle and he, I, I was there for two days. He had, Trey had one pretty good practice and he had one really tough one. And when he has had off days, part of what they felt like is, oh, this is not that big a deal because he is practicing against what could be the best defense in football. And again, like I, I sort of defer to their assessments. I think sometimes teams don't do the best job of like really understanding where they stack up, but the San Francisco brain trust is, is good and is solid. But what happens if we get into the regular season and that calculation of more explosives, more on the ground, we're willing to sacrifice a little bit of accuracy what if it just doesn't add up quite the way that they thought it was going to? And what if he is just like missing high all the time? And then there's Jimmy and he's standing there. Like it's complicated. I'm not saying they can't figure it out. I actually think they're in a better position than most teams would be to figure it out, but it's still complicated. I mean, you could go even further than that and say, Trey Lance, you're right, will absolutely be more involved in the run game. He'll be at risk more out there in the field. We saw him miss some time last year with injury. He goes down, Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, and there's any kind of run there. Now, all of a sudden, right. it's even more complicated. So, you are opened up to that severely. But, Nora, how does Jimmy factor into all this? Because I think for a lot of people, there was a bit of a surprise factor that a quarterback who certainly the offseason procedure complicated things, but assumed he'd be on a different roster, talked so much about his resume as a player and being a part of a team that went to the Super Bowl, even if we don't think he was the sole driver of that. What does this tell us about Jimmy Garoppolo at this point? Yeah, well, so I wonder if there's sort of two um, kind of competing angles to the mechanics of how they restructured the deal. 
One is that he has the no trade clause, which really just means that he would have to say yes to any potential trade. It's not like they're not allowed to trade him. They're just not allowed to trade him if he doesn't want to. Then there's all these playtime incentives. So I wonder if from Jimmy's perspective, it's okay. Yeah, this is Trey Lance's team now, and it would take really, really, really significant um, regression or, or incompetence from Trey to have the starting job just turned over to Jimmy on a, on a performance um, basis. But if he gets hurt, you're, you're the starting quarterback for a team that is a Super Bowl contender. Yay, congratulations, happy. If not... Let's see before the trade deadline what the options might be. And Jimmy, you're going to have to say yes. But if Trey's playing, well, there's $10 million worth of incentives for you to say, okay, yes, trade me to a, a good place where I can start. And I don't know exactly what the specifics on those incentives would be and how many of them he could hit if he were just traded midseason and, and started starting games then. But it's got to be something. So there might be a financial incentive for him to just wait it out and, and go somewhere else. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say when we talk about what this means from Jimmy's perspective that in his mind the best possible outcome is that he's a San Francisco 49er for the entire season, if that could mean riding the bench. The other thing that I think is funny about this is that, like, and this is not to say that he's not a super competitive dude in his own way, yes, but like most NFL quarterbacks are really, really externally motivated by just like, everyone's out to get me. They all hate me. They all think I'm bad, even though like I am one of the most successful people in the world at doing what I do. Jimmy kind of isn't from everything I've ever heard. Like, when he was in New England, there was all of this drama with Brady, and it wasn't really like outward drama, but it was kind of this like internal tension. And he was just really chill. He was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I've got a really good life. I'm Jimmy Garoppolo. This is going well. I, and that seems to be how he's approached everything in, in San Francisco so far. Like, and this is not by any means to say that if guys, you know, are, are, unfollowing people on social media or taking shots or whatever, like speak your mind, do your thing. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. But I just think that Jimmy is like very chill and is not like out to prove his doubters wrong. Really. I don't think that's his motivation style, which really actually differentiates him from a lot of the other potential people who could be in a situation like this. So that's good news for the 49ers is that he's just sort of going to be like, okay, cool. I'm just going to do my best. That's what I love so much about this is that it's like Jimmy J, Jimmy G is proving that he's, he's evolved. He's getting smarter. He realizes that one of the best things you could be is a backup quarterback on a, on a Super Bowl contending team. Like, you know, and he, he had his taste of what it, what the starlight would be. And he's like, oh, okay, well, can, let's just restructure. Uh, and, and with these incentives, maybe he thinks Trey Lance – Maybe he has an opportunity to step in because Trey Lance may – they may get tired of the explosive plays and those might turn into explosive interceptions at one point in time. I just love the fact that we're seeing 
a better version uh, or a deeper picture of what Jimmy G is as a quarterback, where Cam Newton says he can't be a backup because of his personality and he's he's too defiant, things like that. And you see uh, Matt Ryan is like yelling at the Colts players in like ways like only Peyton Manning did. I like that Jimmy G, like the problem with Jimmy G at the at the forefront of him being the starting quarterback is that he just really don't care that much. And he's well, like, all right, let's put it in the writing. I, based on the how self-actualized king of the NFL, Nora, the way you described him, I realized is Baker Mayfield Jimmy G's Wario. Like, is he the total inverse of Jimmy G wow. in almost every way, shape, and form? Because wow. physically, he's just a little bit like of you know Jimmy G with like you know fudged up lenses. Because obviously, Jimmy G's this incredibly handsome young man with his grandma on the subway commercial. And then vibes wise, just polar opposite ends of the spectrum. I think we might have a Wario polar scenario. Opposite. Total pull. Yeah. No, I I love that. I actually love that. I really I, I think that's true. Like, and again, like it's. It, I actually think it it sort of speaks to the fact that he's a very internally motivated person, which is very impressive. It's just that it's not like it's not coming from anywhere, but it is really not coming from my second grade teacher said that I wasn't going to become anything. And like, now I'm out on out here on Aaron Sundays Rogers. to prove her wrong. Oh, like that's just not what's happening. I mean, just going back the and thought to of- your point, there are very good NFL quarterbacks who really, really operate like that. So I mean, he was in a quarterbacking room in New England with maybe the biggest chip on your shoulder quarterback in the history of this league in Tom Brady, who still years later was in tears over all the quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of him. I mean, maybe that's what it was, right? Like maybe he was just like, all right. I'm sitting here, I'm in Foxborough, and here's this guy. Looks like he's got it all, and he seems really upset. Maybe I should do this differently. Maybe I should go, maybe I should choose a different path. A a different brand of handsome in New England between Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo. It is wildly fascinating. It's going to make for a really interesting subplot for all of us. And Nora, you're right. I, I don't discount. I think we always treat quarterbacks with kid gloves when it comes to having a competent backup in the room. Every other position you would see this and you would talk about quality depth. But for quarterback, we do sort of treat them like mentally none of them can possibly handle this. And so maybe with all the personalities described there, it will go exactly according to plan for the 49ers. But that won't stop a lot lot of people in the stands and certainly a lot of people writing and talking about this from wondering the first sign of trouble that this all goes. But um, Nora, this was anything but trouble. This was wonderful. It was... Two perfect reasons to get you on here finally, to bring you into this podcast, and I think I speak for everyone when I say I am looking forward to whenever you and Nathan decide to get back behind the microphone and break down what we've seen from Taylor Swift. Nathan owes me a phone call, so, you know, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just use this, this goodbye to throw him under the bus. Exactly. Thanks, Nora. Thanks. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus, 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Brandon, I shit you not, because God's timing is truly perfect. After we finished talking to Nora about Jimmy Garoppolo and the situation around the 49ers and what might happen, I got a push notification from Fox Sports with the headline, 49ers faith in Lance wavering? Question mark? Ooh. Right, it wasn't going to take long. People, like... It's not going, and, and again, I saw plenty of you know football people, guys in the NFL, Jeff Schwartz, people whose opinions around here I trust, tweeting yep. about this and how this wasn't a good idea, and it's probably not realistically where they sit just based on what Why? this team has positioned. Well, all right, so hear me out on this because generally, I do agree that we are way too soft on quarterbacks when it comes to this stuff, and yes. we act like any bit of competition in the room even when it's real competition like I don't think this is real competition I think in their mind in San Francisco it is a clear delineation of Trey Lance is our starter and Jimmy Garoppolo is a backup we could not move for a price that we wanted because of what his offseason was like injury wise so we said we'll hold on to him we'll give him all the opportunities that we talked about with Nora and we'll move on our our merry way we see plenty of other cases where quarterbacks who have not earned the right to be the sole starter have gone out and been pushed and we talk about how it would affect their psyche and act like they're brittle children they're Mm -hmm. not they're professionals paid to do a job in a league where we see that happen all the time at every other position like no one bats an eye when you draft a fourth round offensive lineman or a third round offensive lineman who's expected to come in there and potentially supplant the starter that's in front of him the grown-ass man like we heard it on hard knocks you're trying to take a grown man's job that's how this league works i understand there's a lot on quarterback so it tends to be a little bit different that being said, it's still, in this case, going to be very difficult for the reason, and I think I brought it on there, you're one injury away with Trey Lance from a situation that's similar but different to what we saw in Miami go on with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick a couple seasons ago, where you had Ryan Fitzpatrick start off that season, go on one of his tears where the Ryan Fitzpatrick roller coaster goes up to the top and has him top five in QBR, and then move to Tua during a season where you were a legitimate playoff contender. And we've seen what a difficult ride for a lot of reasons it's been for Tua, but it was a really inauspicious start for that reason. And for Trey Lance now, after all we heard all summer was, this is Trey's team. We're handing the reins over to Trey. We put all this you know, draft capital into Trey Lance. It just introduces the opportunity for doubt with that. And with everything they have riding on this, with all the picks they traded up to get up to three, and the fact that now this starts the clock for Kyle Shanahan in earnest, because once you're tied to either a high-profile, high-paid vet quarterback or a rookie that you draft high, that's your ass as a coach and as a GM for him and John Lynch. So that's, to me, why this becomes an interesting perspective, because I also saw it pointed out, yeah, if you're on a Super Bowl tear and Jim, you know Trey Lance gets hurt and Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, it keeps you afloat. But we've seen it's probably not going to win you the Super Bowl. That's the whole reason you went and got Trey Lance. Yeah, but here, what do we learn from the first time we heard Jimmy G's name in the Patriots locker room? There's more than just one or two quarterbacks in that quarterback room. Maybe this is a commentary on Brock Purdy. 
Maybe the the, the Iowa State uh, quarterback that's been taking the majority of the preseason snaps. They're like, eh, maybe he's not ready. Maybe we need to keep Jimmy. He's not ready to back up Lance just yet. Yeah, you know what? I think it is one of those things for Jimmy that can end up being mutually beneficial and is, for all the reasons we mentioned about a unique personality type at that position, that might be willing to absorb that. But in general, I'm not going to freak out about this too much because while we're as a media, already we saw, and certainly as fans, I think going to be irresponsible for this. I'd be curious, and 49ers fans out there, at Mike Golick Jr., at Gojo Show on Twitter, are you truly attached to Jimmy Garoppolo in a meaningful way? Because I feel like most anyone that's been watching closely for a long time would say yes, when he's healthy and on the field, there are wins, but he's a quarterback that's you know only a bit above replacement level as far as ability, and maybe I'm selling him a bit short on that. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is yeah. not a dog, but he's you know he's Jared Goff plus. Like well, that's I'll, really all he's been, and really that's not this. He's basically been handsome Jared Goff. Both quarterbacks that on a team with other weapons around you and a really good defense can get you to the Super Bowl, and then they are not going to elevate you beyond that. That's, that's who it. they are. That's true, and that's him on the field. But I think him getting signed as the highest paid backup quarterback right now. Maybe you talk about him off the field. Maybe he's more Josh McCowan than we're giving him credit for when it comes well, to Trey Lance's. Okay. Brandon, with that in mind, we do have a Tuesday, a Tuesday show going on, which means we have the top five, bottom five things from the NFL yes. weekend that we saw. I have the top five this week. You have the bottom five this week. We are going to give you the five best things, teams, storylines, whatever we saw from the NFL weekend that was here. And Brandon, as I will start things off in the top, in the penthouse with this, I want to start off with Jimmy G Vibes at number five. Mm. You had a quarterback who took a haircut. He's going to make $6.5 million dollars with bonuses that could take him up to $16 million between roster bonuses and play incentives that we don't yet know the specifics of there. But all of this is truly possible, like you said, because they believe Jimmy Garoppolo is not a guy that is going to upset the apple cart in that room. And it's one thing to hear a team talk about that privately, but we've seen that demonstrated publicly. Every opportunity Jimmy Garoppolo has had to cause a stink to raise hell to say anything publicly in the midst of what's been, I'm sure, an uncomfortable situation with him, he's gone the other way on that. He's taken the high road. He's been extremely mature in his approach, and that is part of what gives me hope that everyone involved internally is going to be able to handle this the way they need to and the way it needs to be handled. So Jimmy G Vibes posted up at number five on this, realizing that Backing up for a little bit probably ain't all bad. He's going to get a chance to start for somebody next year, going in hopefully healthy into free agency. But the vibes, the vibes will carry over. Number four on this list, Brandon, is the guy we talked about with him in that quarterback room in New England. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady goes on either the masked singer or an 11-day vacation, comes back at his first appearance in preseason action, and immediately balls out to a level where we're all getting hot and bothered about Julio Jones and his potential in that hookup. He looked sharp and crisp. And then on top of that, the NFL Top 100 that I had left for dead after it criminally rated Zach Martin lower than I believe was warranted, Put Tom Brady at number one in the NFL Top 100 after a season where he was 44, now going on 45 years old. All things considered, decent week for Tom Brady and the reputation that he continues to bolster in this league. Yeah. That butts head-to-head with one of my bottom five, so we'll get there. Ooh. All right. I like that. Yeah. Good tease. Number three on this one. 
I'll give a little shout out to Geno Smith and Mitch Trubisky because it seems like based on what we saw at the end of the preseason and for Geno Smith, this is much more concrete now, holds off the incumbent, holds off what we were trying to see could potentially be there with Drew Locke who came over in the trade for Russell Wilson from Denver. Part of that we know Drew Locke ended up missing time with COVID in the preseason the game he was supposed to start. And Geno Smith took advantage of the reps. He was sharp all preseason long. He operated that offense the way you would expect a guy who's been there as a veteran backup for a while. And Mitch Trubisky, while he was brought over in the same offseason, was brought over earlier than Kenny Pickett, the first-round draft pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And all we heard was this potential for the Mitch Trubisky redemption arc, even though he didn't play and we didn't see him get demonstrably better than he was in Chicago, he still kind of got the you know Nick Saban coaching car wash effect going to the Buffalo offense. And so it seems like both of these guys, the veterans, are going to get a chance to hold off whoever the incumbent was for now. And for Mitch Trubisky especially, that's a huge opportunity because Kenny Pickett was picked in the first round. At some point, he is going to take over. Mitch Trubisky has the opportunity in the games before that to make it, one, really hard on the Steelers to make that choice, and two, to put more tape out on the field and potentially good tape that might get him in the conversation with wherever Jimmy Garoppolo is potentially on the market for next season or things in that range. Can I give you some really, really elementary commentary on this? Yep. Ever since Mitchell Trubisky got into the league, he's he hasn't really looked right in any of his jerseys. Is that fair to say? Like the Chicago Bears was like the closest we got to like him looking a little bit comfortable. There's something about him in that Steelers jersey, Mike, that it looks it looks right. It looks like he's supposed to be there. It looks like he can find success on that field in that jersey. And I know that that is uh, – I know a lot of Steelers just want that next Ben Roethlisberger and they want their 20-year reign to start at some point in time. But Mitch might be a little – might be a really good, like, Nick Foles uh, uh, plus stopgap for them right now. So I always maintain that part of that, because I think in general, Mitch fills out the uniform better than, let's say, like Jared Goff, who I always said looked like he was wearing his older brother's pads out there for the most part. Spaghetti string. Um, Mitch Trubisky, the trouble with, well, the good part for him now is he has really dark, deep eyes that I think match the black in the Steelers jerseys Mm. well. I always said he kind of reminded me of the Stinky Cheese Man from the children's book that had those real dark, deep black eyes. And so that look it up after the fact, and you'll kind of see yes, what I'm talking I, about. But yes, I think I, it, I think I, you, I recollect. All right, number two on the top five from the NFL weekend that was Sauce Gardner, the rookie first round pick, one of the first round picks for the New York Jets out of Cincinnati, absolute baller of a corner, was a shutdown monster. How he did not win the Thorpe Award over his teammate Kobe Bryant who anyone who talked to and watched college football last year, any coach would tell you Kobe Bryant had all those opportunities. He's a good player, but he had all those opportunities because no one was throwing to one side on the other side of the field. Sauce Gardner, who is now set to start for the New York Jets, seems confident that he is going to go out there and ball for the New York Jets. Was seen showing their owner on draft night his custom diamond out sauce bottle that he wore on his neck is now doing exactly what we expected athletes in the NIL era and beyond to do. Sauce Gardner announced a collaboration with Buffalo Wild Wings for Sauce Sauce, a limited-time signature sauce at Buffalo Wild Wings. He said, I've always known that everything is better with sauce, so who better to develop my own flavor than the sauce experts at Buffalo Wild Wings? Now, 
It is supposed to be a smoky, sweet and spicy barbecue sauce. So one, I'm in. Definitely want to try. And number two, like he walked so that um, DeColdis could fly in the world yeah. of college football NIL. True. That's absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely. But my thing is, if we're talking Buffalo Wild Wings, also known in the Midwest as B-dubs and wherever else uh, you're at, uh, our BW3s, which is another good one. Which um, never made sense to me because it's only two Ws. They never make sense, but they, they work. Um, Bing's weird, uh, Bing, Wings. <laughs> Wings Beer Sports is their slogan. Uh, I I want to know what color it is. Don't you know, like on the sauces for the BW3s, BW yeah. it's always like it's green and then it gets to like that little mix and then the orange and then hot. So for red, for hot. So I'm interested in what color his sauce is. But also, Mike, I think this is good for uh, Buffalo Wild Wings who spend a lot of money on their uh, cable bill and all those big-ass TVs and, and overpricing all their uh, chicken nuggets. Uh, that they call boneless wings. I've 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 graduated from boneless wings, Mike. I'm I'm happy to say that. I used to say I want more meat, but now it's like now I'm with the real meat. But I say all, I'm saying all this to say the the famous Buffalo Wild Wings in Louisville, Kentucky, just got taken over by Buff City Soaps, and I've seen that happen a lot of times. So I think maybe BW3s might need a little sauce. They need a little sauce, so they went and got sauce, and uh, hopefully it saves their franchise. I, I, you know what? I feel pretty good about it. I'm very excited for the sauce. If they want to maybe kick a little bit our way to see if we can taste test this. Ooh. But who am I other than a desperate corporate chill? Uh, Brandon, number one on this list for me was easy. We have talked so much about Lamar Jackson. Who Remember, the last time Lamar Jackson was in the news, we had seen the reports from Jay Glazer over at Fox that apparently... The Ravens had offered Lamar Jackson more money than Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. Yep. And that the five-year fully guaranteed contract given by the Browns to Deshaun Watson had sort of complicated things. Well, Lamar Jackson took to Twitter earlier today. And a fan had tweeted, so Lamar Jackson is league MVP and still hasn't broken the bank. At Ravens, you're on the hot seat. Give that man the $250 million guaranteed before you write the check your ass can't cash. Someone responded to that and said, he want more. They already offered that. Lamar Jackson, who was tagged in the original tweet, so he would see these popping up in his mentions, mm -hmm. simply wrote back, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. So. No, they didn't. Now, they didn't offer him $250 million, is what he is saying. Now, Kyler Murray, I believe, was guaranteed somewhere around 230. So there's a chance there's wiggle room in there. It's like the price okay. is right. You could still win the showcase if you don't go over that 250 million mark. Amen. But say it again. I would say this, Brandon. Lamar Jackson, look what we of the Twitter timeline and the media did for Kyler Murray. We got that homework clause up oh. out of that contract in about a day. Oh. You let the timeline negotiate this deal, and we will have 300 mil guaranteed on the table before we hit end of day on Friday this week. Lamar Jackson is number one on my list because he seems like he's right on the edge of turning this thing over to the timeline and letting us go and do what we do best. <sighs> Mike, I love that so much because it dovetails right into my five of the of my bottom five is this lamar jackson story specifically i didn't know exactly what what i didn't like specifically about it but it, i know it deserved uh to be in my top the, my bottom five but i'm not too upset about it i think one thing i actually am upset about is the fact that lamar jackson has to 
be subjected to this nonsense and uh, this contract talk and that he has to come out and defend himself yet again on Twitter and just say that they didn't give offer them that money. And also I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of upset that they didn't offer him that money, but also maybe that's a good thing. So all of it just didn't sit well with me, Mike, and it landed in the bottom five. So I'm glad we, uh, we, we doubled up your, your number one and my number five. So I've handed the baton off to you. That is your number five on the bottom five for this week in the NFL. What else we got here, Brandon? All right, running through it. Uh, honestly, this one, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald being behind Tom Brady in the top 100, Mike. And obviously, I've, we've argued about Aaron Donald recently. I don't want to get into that specifically, but I think it's blasphemous and insane that they will put somebody who was essentially knocked out of the playoffs by this person would be above him in the, in the player list. Like, are, are NFL players scared of Tom Brady now the way, like, uh, Metropolis was scared of Lex Luthor? Like, what is going on that uh, that we're voting for a 45-year-old Tom Brady as the number one? Like, when's the last time he was number one in this list? Like, in the 13 years that the NFL Network has been a thing and they've been doing this little uh, top 100 thing. Like, this is – it seems crazy. Uh, one of my favorite things from this that happened was – uh, a response from the Los Angeles Rams, that famous uh, uh, girl screaming at her uh, boyfriend or male friend uh, meme that's going on. It's all caps explaining something uh, in depth. The Rams responded to this blasphemy of Tom Brady being ranked over him with that meme saying, yeah, he's ranked number two in the top 100 despite making two plays that sealed the trip to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. Not to mention since 2014, he's led the league in QB pressure sacks. I mean, he's an absolute unit, unstoppable. He's the GOAT, which is all fair, Mike. And this is the, one of the reasons why. Listen, it's not that it's not that Aaron Donald was number two that puts this in the bottom five. It's the fact that Tom Brady was one above him. Like that's like let's uh, let's let's. Well, you let's know what I like about this is that this is not like when we used to do Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady as if they ever actually were on the field against right. each other. Aaron Donald and Tom Brady at least do get to almost directly square off in some capacity. Uh, for your uh, for your question, this is the fourth time since 2011 that Tom Brady has been chosen number one overall on the NFL Top 100. I do believe that if you, while you're not afraid of Tom Brady and Aaron Donald likely in the same ways that we think of, if you're a team in the fourth quarter and Tom Brady's got the football at the end of the game, you're very afraid. You're afraid yeah. from now until that man decides to not stop playing in the NFL, until he decides to stop throwing a football, period. Until Tom Brady yeah. can no longer raise his arm above his shoulder, you are afraid of him being able to beat you with time left on the clock in the fourth quarter of a game. So... That's very real. Statistically for Tom Brady, it was a big-time season for him last year. So I oh, can yeah. he kind was, of he understand was number this. Two, number two in the MVP race behind Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, so I can understand this. Like, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is a mutant. I think he's a first-bout Hall of Famer. I think he's going to end his NFL career whenever that is, and we saw the retirement rumors after the Super Bowl this year. He's going to end in the discussion as one of the greatest defensive players in NFL history where he Aaron rightly Donald. belongs. Yes, Okay. Oh, you say Aaron Rodgers, so I thought you were describing Aaron Rodgers. Oh. No, Aaron Which? Rodgers is the number one most likely to end up on a certain podcast that may be on this list. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay, coming in at number three, quarterbacks on Joe Rogan. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is continuing to talk about his immunization process and his status and how dreadful it was for him to get tested for COVID every day. Listen, uh, he went on Joe Rogan's podcast. We knew this was coming ever since he started doing a little bit of a car wash, Aaron Rodgers, and and obviously, uh, I guess Joe Rogan is Aaron Rodgers' like life coach sensei like uh if tom brady's uh what's what uh, alex alex uh what's his name oh um alex alex Kerf, Kerf. guerrero guerrero alex guerrero yeah obviously uh tom brady's alex guerrero is aaron Rodgers, joe rogan um they wax poetic on a three-hour podcast mike i can only get through about an hour and 15 of it because honestly it was boring and i'm not going to say this because i'm hating joe rogan's number one podcast in the world my first podcast i ever listened to honestly so i it's longevity i understand it but Listen, I was trying to explain to Michelle about it because we're heading up to New Jersey. Uh, her brother is uh, from Wisconsin, big Packers fan, loves Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, obviously, I'm going to go see a family member who loves Aaron Rodgers after he goes see Joe Rogan. So let me listen to this podcast. And I was explaining to my wife what was talked about. And she was like, wait a minute, why is he talking about COVID again? Like, like th- she was like, this is boring to listen to. Like, w- like, why is this coming up now? And I was like, you know what? Like, you're right. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care about a lot of it, and I and I I'm happy that he's pushing plant based medicine and plant based uh, like solving and stuff like that. But easily in my bottom five of headlines for the NFL is Aaron Rodgers going on Joe Rogan and and just just like being very I, I don't know Mike you you saw it yeah it, I I got through about thirty minutes of that before I turned it off and like you said you know it, I don't have anything disparaging to say other than. I did find it very entertaining when Joe Rogan actually pressed and asked Aaron Rodgers about the immunization process that he went through, and Aaron Rodgers was unable to buy, provide really any specific details about what went on with that. Mike. Thought it was very interesting. Thought it was very telling. Uh, it was, but like you said, ultimately this is a topic that I'm no longer interested in. And if I'm right. Aaron Rodgers, quite frankly, I don't understand why he did talk about how after um, a certain point in the season when he came back and started playing really well in the MVP race and that one MVP voter came out and said because of Aaron's vaccination status, he wouldn't vote for him for MVP, which we all universally shouted down as a dumb way to go about that. Right. Said he kind of felt like he got more support on his side. Like, you're walking into a new year where we're not talking about this stuff anymore. And you just came off coming to training camp dressed like Nick Cage and talking about taking, you know, mushroom tea. And we were all kind of entertained by what was going on. Why are you throwing this back out there, man? There's no need. 
<sighs> Freedom of speech. Okay, coming in number two. two. Yeah, coming in number two. Injuries around the league in the preseason, Mike. Just like tit for yeah. tat. All that uh, you you you've documented. There's a, a bunch of different things. We got uh, T.J. Watt. You did. T.J. Watt. You had Sam. Yeah. You had Sam Darnold with the uh, Carolina Panthers, who had a really bad ankle sprain. Who now is expected to, I think, miss four weeks for the Panthers. Even though he wasn't the starter, now it looks like they're going to keep P.J. Walker on that roster. Potentially put Sam Darnold on the short-term pup list. Um, you also had, I think, Deontay Johnson on the Pittsburgh Steelers, their wide receiver, who went down in their last preseason game, along with J.J. Watt. Mike Tomlin said they're not expected to be serious injuries, but still, like you said, Brandon, not what you're looking to see towards the end of the preseason, one that we've already shortened, one where we've always seen a de-emphasis on starters in games largely for this reason. And so, yeah, to see guys go down was uh, really that last week, and that's all you're doing is praying that some back end of the roster guys can make some splash plays to get their name out there and that that everyone gets off that game healthy and can start the regular season on the right note. That's all you can hope for, Mike. And that kind of brings me to my my bottom five, uh, top bottom five, number one, August 30th. Cut day, Mike. Yeah. Cut day. Infamous cut day where the NFL rosters go from 80 players to 53 and obviously, there's some guys that'd be lucky enough to get on that 16-man uh, practice squad that's on all these different teams. So, 69. Uh, shouts out to Gronk. Uh, official players on the roster after today. But it's just a sad time, Mike. I mean, you can probably speak to it more than I can, definitely, because I never even had my quote-unquote cup of coffee or a hit of espresso, if you will. But this will be a lot uh, tomorrow, or today is a, a day where a lot of guys be the last time they put on an NFL helmet. So I just, you know, that's that's sad to me. And they'll be watching and, and hoping and, and wishing and waiting for another opportunity uh, probably all season long. So I saw a heart goes out to those guys, those families, and I hope they stay productive during the season. Season. Yeah, you see it on Hard Knocks all the time, and I think that's one very good thing that the show did was illuminate just how gutting that moment can be for a lot of guys because there's all sorts of dudes at different stages. When I got started and originally was picked up as an undrafted free agent by the Steelers, I told myself I kind of got a three-year window where I think if I can get into these camps, if it doesn't work out, I'll keep working out. I'll go back to the drawing board. I'll try to get signed back on and you know, going through it the first time as a rookie, got cut at the end of that preseason, hadn't got much chance to play, was, uh, you know, I could say it now, after that fourth preseason game, we went out and got after it on the south side, and I was very hungover when I got cut. Um, But, you know, you thought, all right, I'll go back to the drawing board, I'll listen to the feedback that I got from Kevin Colbert, their GM, and Mike Tomlin, and I'll go get after it. Next summer, I sign with the New Orleans Saints and get to go to camp there. I got cut June 1st out there. I got into Mm. an elevator with a Subway sandwich after coming back from the facility. I got onto the elevator, got off, and had a message in my phone that was telling me to, hey, get your playbook. Someone's going to come and pick you up to bring you to the facility as they shined John Goodwin at that June 1st veteran cap date. And then, you know, went all over the place, played in a side minor league, tried out in CFL training camp, ultimately ended up with the Saints again. And Brandon, the one thing I will say is I was fortunate to kind of know that the fourth preseason game I played there at Green Bay against the Packers had the potential to be my last football game ever. And I was emotional on the sideline getting ready to try and go out there and hold on to my football life and understanding that 
this might also be the end of it. My family was all there for that, which was really cool. It getting to be in Green Bay, which still shuts down like a damn high school football game for preseason four, watching the future podcasters of America go out there and try and save it. <laughs> it was it was really it was a really emotional thing. It was a really special experience to get to do it in that stadium. But then you wake up on the other side of it, and at some point, it's that line from uh, I think it's uh, Moneyball. Whereas at some point we're all told we can no longer play the children's game. Some of it happens when we're eight. Some happens when we're, you know, 38. But in the end, we're all told that like a bunch of guys are going to get told no, maybe for the first time in their life, maybe for the last time in their football life. And it sucks, but it, it can get better, you know, Love up on your love up on your people. Reach out to your guys that are going through that because that identity change can be tough for a lot of people when that day yep. finally comes for it to be over. And you want to be made sure they're taken care of and, and that they've got somewhere to go and somewhere to someone to help them figure out what may come next. Because yeah. we want good things for all those guys. So good luck to everyone, man. I hope you make it. I hope you find your way onto that roster. But if not, yeah. the sun's gonna come up the next day and you're going to get through that. So Brandon, we uh, are almost at our favorite part of the podcast, but since I'm talking about the sun coming up, we might as well talk about one of our favorite supporters of this podcast, and that's our friends at Knock Around Sunglasses. Now, you guys have seen out here styling of these knock around sunglasses brandon recently received a blessing from our friends at knock around and brandon when i tell you you walked in here today not only with a fresh cut but with just a different air about you i could tell this was why oh yeah mike the, the knock arounds i got i got a nice uh box from them a, a lot a lot of a beautiful things uh shouts out to knock around i wasn't going to do official unboxing on instagram i'm waiting mm. for that but i mm, mike I feel special. I feel special going into the football season. I was like, this feels right. I can't wait to knock around in these knock arounds and uh, basically document myself all season long with them on. So can't wait. It feel it feels great to look great, and you can do that for just thirty dollars per pair with knock arounds, polarized sunglasses. We've told you they ship fast. You've got a ton of different options. Brandon, as you'll see in the unboxing, has a ton of different combinations. You can customize the front, the arms, the lenses, the logo. You can get a pair to match your favorite team for game day. There's over a billion possible combinations in the knock around custom shop. All you got to do for lightweight, great clarity, and awesome sunglasses. High quality polarized sunglasses at a truly affordable price. Go to knockaround.com, check out their huge range of shades. And when you get there, we said already very affordable at around $30 a pair. We want to help you out even more for our listeners. You can enter promo code GOJO at checkout and get yourself 20% off. Again, that's promo code GOJO, G O J O, in case it's your first time around here. Get yourself 20% off at checkout at knockaround.com. All right, Brandon, that all being said. Do you know what time it is? When the pimp's in the crib, ma, this, that, in the third, this, that, in the third, this, that, in the third. When the pigs try to get at you, this, that, in the third, this, that, in the third, this, that, in the third. And when it get an attitude, this, that, in the third, this, that, in the third, this, that, in the third. I got the rollie in my arm and I'm pouring Sean Don and I got the best topic because it's this, that, in the third. Wow, and you didn't go one bar too long today. Brandon, <laughs> sticking the landing. 
The judges are showing up tens all across the board. Oh my god. Thank you, sir. As always, download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast and leave us a five-star rating. If you don't pat Brandon on the back for that effort, you just don't like nice things and you won't appreciate anything we bring you and I feel bad for you. So I know that's not anyone listening to this podcast because you're all wonderful and I love you to death. And uh, Brandon, very excited to start off with this. Last night, the U.S. Open first round got going in New York and... Serena Williams, who penned the article in Vogue talking about her moving on from tennis after this tournament, it would be her final tournament as a professional, wins her first round matchup 6-3-6-3 against Donka Kovinic and will now face Anna Konovate, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right, Anna Konovate, Wednesday night uh, out in New York at the U.S. Open. It was awesome, Brandon. She seemed pretty locked in from start to finish on that one. And this is what everyone's hoping. We're all holding on for dear life as the Serena Williams experience is going to come to an end or evolve beyond tennis, however she's phrased it. We all know this is our last time. And you could see it in her going out onto the court, got a huge ovation. Everyone's there for the show. This is the reminder of the gravity and the draw that this player has had for so long in the sport and not going to go out in the first round, which I think is a big relief for everyone because you're just not sure at this point. Injury has been such a big part of the conversation with Serena in the last couple of years. And so to get to see her notch that wind in the first round and get a chance to advance was a great start to this weekend or this week. Absolutely, Mike. And, you know, Basically, this is just proof of all the work that she's put in, right? We, we talked about this before. She did get knocked out of uh, round one of the Wimbledon. And it's like, okay, like she has some work to do to make sure that she goes out the way she wants to, especially the U.S. Open in New York where she started her career. I'm just excited to get to the East Coast, uh, go specifically to New York during that time period because I just know it's going to be electric. The whole city is going to be excited for Serena. Yep, big congrats to Serena. That train keeps marching on to the second round of the U.S. Open. Uh, Brandon, let's get to that. Uh, That was something I immediately thought of you when I saw Jim Harbaugh was asked about the Michigan coaching battle that's been going on. We talked about it yesterday. The Wolverines are going to start Cade McNamara, who's the starter for the majority of last year, in their first game against Colorado State, and then going to start J.J. McCarthy, who was the more athletic, sometimes used player last year in that quarterback room against Hawaii in Game 2. And when he was asked about this, Jim Harbaugh said, quote, some people have asked, how did you come to that decision? Was it based on some kind of NFL model? Harbaugh said, no, it's really based biblical. Solomon, he was known to be a pretty wise person. Brandon, I'm not 100% sure what he means on that because I waved goodbye to my biblical scholarly education (laughs) at Notre Dame. So I lean on you as the more well-read man on this front here. What the hell is Jim Harbaugh talking about? I mean, he's definitely talking about King Solomon. Uh, of Israel uh, what is it about leaving the temple no this is what I saw this is on cbssports.com um, an article there that says the verse Harbaugh appears to be referring to is from Ecclesiastes eleven six that says sow your seed in the morning and at evening let your hands not be idle for you do not know which will succeed whether this or that or whether both will do equally well now Harbaugh did not clarify where in the Bible he was referring to 
But um, Harbaugh, it says Harbaugh also may have been referring to Solomon's judgment to cut a baby in half so yes. two women who both laid claim to being its mother could have half. Of course, the baby's real mother begged King Solomon yes. not to give the baby to the other woman or begged to, to give the baby to the other woman so it wouldn't be killed, therefore revealing the true mother. And so maybe Jim Harbaugh is hoping that splitting up the baby will in, will see which passer will emerge as the beloved son of the teammates. Yeah, which one of y'all? Which one of y'all's offense is this? We're gonna cut this baby in half. Okay, all right, all right. I see yep. you, but also I don't like the fact that this guy who's talking about saving people's babies uh, is talking about cutting them in half too. So. Yeah, no, a lot of mixed messages from Jim Harbaugh there. By the way, and I, I, I want to give credit to the writer of this article. I just also don't want to mispronounce the last name, but Shihan uh, Jeharaja, I believe, at CBSSports.com. Again, I apologize if there's a part of that name that I did not pronounce the right way here. I just read this very quickly as we were going past. So all respect to the person who wrote that article and the job done there because it was the reporting that we needed to make this part of the segment go. Brandon? Let's get to the third, though, because the third, legitimately fascinating to me, also something that apparently happened last year and we just did not notice. But according to Business Insider, apparently in 2021, a New York law made it illegal for anyone under 21 to buy whipped cream canisters in New York. Now, this has been done to stop teens from inhaling nitrous oxide in the whipped cream cans or doing whippets, as you've heard it called. According to the DEA, one in five young people use inhalants by the time they reach eighth grade. Now, I'm not sure if that's all whippets or not, but Brandon, all I know is my young fat ass would have been out here absolutely on the warpath if I had been denied whipped cream as a kid. I understand some of the folks are going to be conspiracy theorists about Big Cool Whip's role in all of this, as the two warring factions always seem to be at odds. I was always one that thought they could peacefully coexist in different areas and different avenues. I was out here with Cool Whip's cab. The Cool Whip was great because you can go out there and raw dog that pretty easily right out of the fridge. Well, you can put, or sorry, the... Uh, the um, oh, thank you. Yeah, flip it. Yeah, yeah I'm ready sorry. Whip. I was flipping it. Whipped cream can be used right out of the fridge as an easy shot when you're walking by. You can put Cool Whip in the freezer and turn it into pseudo ice cream for an interesting treat. And it's also my preferred topping on pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. They both have their place. And for whipped cream to just not be able to be a young husky kid going out there and slugging your own whipped cream is is sad. I understand that you're trying to stop something else in here, and I appreciate the effort to try and do that. I wish we'd apply that to certain other things that have proven deadly to people in this country, but True. we don't need to stop and get into that right now necessarily. All I'm saying is, man, if you're a kid out there in New York who definitely needs whipped cream, we need to find a way to get it to them. Maybe like a baggie full of whipped cream that you no. can get. Or maybe no. you package the whipped cream in a container like the Cool Whip thing. I don't know, man. I want to be a solutions-oriented person in this problem facing the youth in New York now who just want to consume whipped cream either in short bursts or in mass as a part of their breakfast. I think this is a perfect opportunity for Cool Whip to take the reins on the fight, right? Obviously, they're not real dairy. They're hydroxinated oil, so their expiration date is a little bit more lengthy than you would see from a Ready Whip can. Um, not enough people are throwing away or recycling Ready Whip cans, Mike. They think that because it's aerosol that the dairy don't go bad. It does. It curls. Okay, so take care of that stuff. But maybe, maybe a, a campaign from Cool Whips like, don't whip it. Oh, but their name is Whip. So they got the. I was gonna say, don't whip it, lick it, because you got I mean, to scoop you could it do, and lick it. You, you you could go whip responsibly. Whip oh, whip responsibly. I like that because I'm a big fan of Cool Whip and Ready Whip on them pies, Mike. 
I think you. I think both serve a purpose. Both both uh, both dissolve in a very different way. They do absolutely different textures, absolutely different roles in the dessert ecosystem. We just want to find a way to solution. By the way, uh, Cool Whip, if you use that, that is our intellectual property. If you don't pay us, we will try and lawyer up. We'll probably fail, but we will try. Yep. Because it's we'll about try. the man in the arena efforting greatly, and that's what we're going to do here. Uh, mm-hmm. We appreciate everyone efforting greatly, as always, to make it all the way to the end of this podcast. It's a journey, but we held your hand, and we all walked to the finish line together. If you liked it, as always, download, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcast, Brandon. Mike, I feel like uh, our audience may deserve an explanation of what's to come of the next podcast. Yes, and as you're downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, checking out our YouTube page, again, the DraftKings YouTube page, where you can go to the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist on there and see our beautiful smiling faces. Uh, As Brandon said, uh, tomorrow is going to be a little bit of a different day. I've got uh, the Hartford Yard Goats first pitch that I'm throwing out there for Mike Golick Jr. bobblehead day. Brandon and his family are going to be in transit on the way up to New York, as he mentioned, which means tomorrow is going to be a solo Gojo show. We're going to talk to Richard Johnson from Split Zone Duo, a great college football podcast, as well as a writer over at Sports Illustrated. You can catch him on Thinking Out Loud on the SEC Network with Spencer Hall, who is a friend and part of the Shutdown Fullcast crew over at Meadowlark Media. We're going to get Richard Johnson in here to talk about the group of five, the slate for college football's week one beginning this weekend, and plenty of great stuff, but it will be me solo around that as Brandon is traveling. So a little different sound hitting your ears tomorrow. We'll be back as we always are on Thursday, ready to rock this thing. Katie Nolan may be joining us for that podcast. I know everyone around here loves her a whole lot, so very excited to get Katie back in here and chop it up a little bit. But that's what we got on the horizon coming up. So Brandon, safe travels. I will try and do you justice in the first pitch department, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. And for everyone else, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks.